Hi there, this is Voicebox, KLW's weekly series all about singing and the best of the vocal music scene from the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Chloe Veltman. Welcome, it's great to be here with you this evening. Synthesizers are clever little devices. Since the early 1970s, singers and songwriters have experimented with them in all kinds of ways to produce interesting and unusual vocal effects that can completely transform a song. On tonight's show, I'm joined in the studio by Danny Lannan, a beautiful vocalist who writes and sings his material with the help of computer-generated effects. Hi, Danny. Glad to have you here with me this evening. Hey, how's it going? Danny is the lead singer with The Frail, a San Francisco-based electro-pop band. And also in the studio with us is Rob Perra, one of The Frail's two guitarists. Thanks, Rob, for joining us. Hi there. Over the past four years, since meeting on Craigslist, vocalist Danny Lannan and producer sampler Kevin Durr have been crafting uplifting, emotionally charged songs that quite simply make you want to dance. Joined by guitarists Izzy Shaverin and Rob Perra, the band has a new album coming out on the Tricycle Records label on March the 1st, Lasers Over Lovers. Here's a sneak preview of The Frail's new album now. The track is called Heartbeats. the San Francisco-based electro-pop group The Frail. The song was Heartbeats and it comes from the band's as-yet unreleased new album Lasers Over Lovers. The album comes out on March the 1st. With me in the studio for a conversation about the use of synthesizers to create interesting vocal effects is The Frail's lead singer Danny Lannan. Also here with us is Rob Perry, one of the band's two guitarists. Danny, tell us about what's going on in the song we just heard from a vocal perspective. Well, um, I don't. Well, right when I come in in the song um, is the chorus, and what's going on there? If you listen, you can hear a lot of stuttering in the vocals. So, you know, uh, the first step was to just record it straight through, and then um, we went and actually went back and cut up that same vocal and added another layer to that to kind of add kind of a kind of a harmony, but also kind of like a I guess robotic feel, more yeah. a more electronic feel. You can definitely hear something that doesn't sound natural yeah. to your ear. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. Uh, how else do you use synthesizers in the track? Well, actually, there's pretty much there's no there's no live instruments in that in that song at all. It's all made with either drum samples or I mean, which I guess are real instruments, but we cut those up and place them where we wanted. Um, and the synthesizers are actually playing the role of the bass, um, which is what we do in a lot of our music. So maybe we should take a step back and define a basic term for our listeners. What is electro-pop music exactly? People, when you say electro- electronic music, people think, you know, like techno or, or trance mm. or, you know, house and things like that. And I, and I think it's borrowing something from, from those other subgenres and kind of, you know, adding, adding the more commercial or mainstream kind of pop element to it, something catchy. Much less difficult to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it seems to me that there's a lot more emphasis on the melodic line and, and the singability of it than just sort of a, a rock and beat and, you know, just sort of driving rhythms. Yeah, I mean, it's still about dancing and having fun, but it's also about showcasing 
something catchy and something that, you know, people are going to remember. I mean, what I think is really cool, especially when you look at mainstream artists like, uh, I don't know, Britney Spears or Katy Perry, any of those people, right? So they're not writing their own songs. They have songwriters writing for them. And so one thing that I've always been extremely interested in is kind of like uh, the art behind writing a hit single or behind behind a catchy song and really dissecting what makes something catchy. And I think that's kind of what, I mean, obviously we're not a number one on the Billboard charts, but... Eventually, Yeah, someday. you never know, but... but uh, We're still learning the science. Yeah, yeah, I, like, I always like to look yeah. at it and kind of try and, you know, take my own at bat at, at doing something like that. Well, the song that we just listened to uh, has a really catchy chorus. You call that a hook, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That little line, my heart's beating. Yeah. You know, that is a... I, it gets inside you. I guess people call it an earworm, don't they? Where yeah. it gets inside you and you want to sing it over and over and over again. At least I had that going on today. I was jumping about my apartment, singing and dancing along to that. <laughs> well, that's what I hope for. I mean, Definitely. that's usually, I mean, a, a pretty big goal of mine for, for each of our songs. So how did the electro pop style develop? Maybe Robbie could tell us about that. I think it it sort of originated... I'm not a historian, but sort of in the 80s, uh, after the whole like early 70s electronic music experimentation happened with the invention of the synthesizer, it sort of became turned around and cut up into a more uh, listener-oriented, like mainstream approach, like a more mainstream medium. I guess probably what happened, I mean, from from the invention of the, of the, of the synthesizer to, you know, uh, a record label exec hearing it and being like, okay, let's make this something popular because, you know, maybe someone out there was trying to add a pop approach to it. I mean, and then you had New Wave and you had bands like the Eurythmics and, you know, Duran mm-hmm. Duran and, De- and Depeche Mode. And mm-hmm. a lot of those bands were definitely had a pop package yeah. and overtones. The yeah. early, like, Paul McCartney recordings, like Paul McCartney 2, which is a great album, um, he experiments a lot within the genre of um, going through and recording every part of the album yourself. I believe that was one of the earliest examples of an artist um, really going through and playing the bass and playing the synthesizer and playing the drums yourself and being able to um, give the world your full expression instead of relying on other, other musicians. And that's what electronic music has the ability to do. And so did this movement really start in the UK then? Or is, is that really where it was focused for a long time? Or were things happening elsewhere? I feel like a, a majority of it was definitely based in the UK. And I think and I think the, you know, electro-pop genre that, where it is now definitely has a lot of UK influences. And there's a pretty big US movement as well. I mean, I mean for us, I mean, when, when we started out, it was bands like uh, the Faint and the Postal Service and people like that that really aided to our sound and 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 then a UK act like Hot Chip you know who was a huge influence of ours and and you know so I think it I think it's kind of bounced around just depending on on which decade you're in. I'm waiting for the night to fall. I know that it will save us all. When everything's done from the start Reality I'm waiting for the night to fall When everything is bearable And there in the still
just heard from two early influential electro-pop groups. First up was Depeche Mode with Waiting for the Night. And then we heard Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark with the song If You Leave. Danny, like Dave Garn of Depeche Mode and OMD's Andy McCluskey, you have a gorgeous, mellifluous voice and you've used it in a variety of different ways over the years. Can you tell us about your musical roots, please? I gather that you started singing in a style that's quite different to the tuneful, beveled approach that you use with the frail. I, have a, I come from a very musical family. Uh, my dad was in different bands. He was in a band called the Bay City Rollers. And Your dad uh, was in the Bay yeah. City Rollers. <laughs> wow. He played drums and he's been in, you know, some, he was in some Bay Area metal bands, you know. So I kind of grew up in, in this, this melting pot of all these different genres from, you know, the folk that my grandpa was showing me to the metal and rock and roll and punk and older hip hop that my dad was showing me. And so I, I kind of, I guess, I guess, my dad was played a heavy hand in, in, in my my musical direction. I always loved pop. I always, you know, like when I was a kid, I really was into Boys to Men, and I would listen to them all the time. And there's not many people who'd admit to that. I don't care. Hey, I like. <laughs> I'll, I'll also admit to that. <laughs> I, oh my I li- goodness, two Boys to Men. I will Men own fans. it. I like yeah. New Kids on the Block too. I was down. Okay, right on. Um, and and I I think it was just the catchiness that really kind of caught me. Um, from from those you know different genres of music, but. I my first band that I was in was a punk band, and then I was in kind of an emo band. <laughs> I was in a emo. Sorry, emo. What's that? Yeah, it's kind. Of, it, oh man, that Rob, you want to explain the um, genre? It's kind of embarrassing. I'd rather not admit that one. Sure. Than than uh, admitting like new kids on the block. <laughs> um, emo is a genre that was sort of derivated from um, heavy metal and punk music. It, when people refer to emo as a, as a genre. These days, it's mostly referring to um, a style of emotional music, uh, high vocals, sort kinda of whiny, kind of whiny, sort oh. of um, uh, melodramatic lyrics. Um, a lot of songs about how much they hate their dad, it, and exactly. How much their life yeah, sucks. So sort of angry young man, songs. angry, yeah. angry young man, sort songs. of fourteen or fifteen year olds that are yeah. sort of mad okay. at people right. bullying them. So yeah, I was I was doing that kind of music for a while, and I was actually touring a lot when I was in high school when I was doing mm. that. Um, which was pretty cool, and and then from there I got more into kind of new wave and Duran Duran. Um, I met a met a guy named Alex Worden that was showing me, uh, you know, all this all this music that I hadn't really, I mean, I'd been exposed to, but didn't ever really get into it. And I was dating a girl that was showing me a lot of electronic remixes. After that, introducing me to groups like Digitalism and AMD Three and and you know Egyptian Lover and like <laughs> just all this random stuff. So. Uh, Alex and, and an ex-girlfriend of mine were actually pretty responsible for pushing me towards the music that I'm playing with the frail. So what's the difference for you between singing uh, a punk-style vocal versus the kind of singing that you, you use for uh, the frail? You know, a lot of it at that point was, was just me not knowing what the hell I was doing or just kind of being as loud and, and I guess, obnoxious or... or as crazy as I could be while trying to sing in key. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always singing, but I was, you know, never really, I never really thought about like, oh, I'm a singer, like I should know how to do these certain things. And I and I think once uh, I started singing in the New Wave band, I started discovering um, new ways to use my voice. I learned that I could do falsetto things. And I guess that's kind of uh, been a big player in the frail. Um, and I learned, you know, how to use a head voice. And I learned, you know, just where... If I can go really high, or and I can go really low, and I discovered that there there is this whole other high register that I'd never really explored that much. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 so it's pretty different from going from just you know yelling and, and kind of screaming and to <laughs> to you know trying to have a lot of control over over the different high notes that you're hitting and Right, but when you sang in the punk band, you say that you would, you would still at least make an effort to to sing in in key. So yeah. you're trying you were, you you were thinking about your intonation and and yeah. trying to hit notes. You weren't just screaming. No, no, but yeah, <laughs> at certain points, I, I mean, the very first punk band I was in, I was definitely doing a lot of yelling, but still, you know, trying to stay in key. I mean, and then that, and that's the that's probably the pop the boundary that pop music put mm-hmm. on me because. Because that's that's a, mm-hmm. you know you got to be in key in pop music. You know? So did you ever have any formal vocal training at all? No, not especially. I mean, I went to a vocal consultation with a vocal teacher from Cal, and and she told me I had a pretty big range, and and I and she wound up moving out of the city, and then went to a couple of people here and there, but I. I uh, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'm a prude when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to the vocal teachers or, or something. I don't know. I just I'm very very picky about who I work with, and I have to. I feel like if if you're going to be teaching me something, I want to be like knocked off my feet when I hear you show me something, and I want I want to be like flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense at so all. So you mean you have to really like? I the have voice to really the like the voice, like, and and it's not just about the technique because I don't know. I feel like I have to. I mean, I'm, I have to be there and want to maybe even sound like that teacher a little bit to, to really get what I want out of it. So besides uh, experimenting with your head voice, what other aspects of your voice are you exploring these days? There's a band called LCD Sound System and, and the, the main uh, guy behind that, James Murphy, does a lot of kind of talking, like kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it talking. Sort of talk, talk singing. Talk singing, like rhythmic, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he does this thing where he goes... He puts like an uh, he goes after every... How yeah, yeah, he does like stuff like that to where like, I don't know, it kind of kind of brings out the the rhythmic portions of the music. And and like I said before, the stuttering and, and, and heartbeats, like cutting up the vocals to kind mm-hmm. of, I'm kind of, I guess, experimenting a lot more with being right on the beat and toying with where you come in in the beat, whether it's on the up or the down or whether, you know, it's, or the verse count is maybe instead of four measures, it's it's five or seven, something weird that you know, isn't isn't really normal in, in, in the pop structure and then kind of experimenting with my voice on where that comes in. I, I was uh, hoping to dig back in history and have a little bit of a sample of you singing in your punk days <clears throat> so that I we can hear a, a difference of uh, between now and then, but we couldn't find a track uh, from those days. But what I do have, what you did give me, is um, a track from your Duran Duran-esque New yeah. Wave days when you were singing with a band called the Faraday Effect. Um, and in fact, your voice does sound quite different, even in that context, um, than, than how you sing today. So let's hear a track now from the Faraday Effect. This is called Red Queen Dark. And the lead vocalist in the song is tonight's guest, Danny Lannan. <laughs> Oh, 
You're tuned in to Voice Box on KALW. I'm Chloe Veltman. I'm here with Danny Lannan, lead singer with the electro-pop band The Frail. We just heard Red Queen Dark by The Faraday Effect, a new wave-style band that Danny was in prior to forming The Frail. With us in the studio also is Rob Perra, who plays guitar with the band. So let's get into talking about your process of songwriting and vocalising with The Frail. Danny, how do you go about developing your material? Well, traditionally we have been writing over email actually me and uh kevin who i uh have written most of the songs with up until about now have always just used gchat we'll send i'll send him a piece um of an idea maybe it's a drum beat or a bass line and he'll add on to it and send it back to me and then i'll give him seconds time frame like okay so from 35 seconds to 55 seconds can you add this in there or this is maybe how I feel it should go, and we kind of, I guess, and I guess they're kind of written around the vocals for the most part. The vocal melody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we. That's actually how we write the songs. And and what's changed recently is that we've wanted to add a kind of more more of an organic feel to the music, um, which is where Rob and Izzy come in playing, you know, bass and guitar, and and you know having a live drummer um, on the new record. Um, so. In that sense, it's changed a little because uh, now we have other people coming in and working out their own parts individually, and it's not just Kevin and I online anymore. So when you get together with Robin Izzy, you're in the studio. You're not doing this stuff by email. At that point, you're all together? Or? Yeah, pretty exactly. much, yeah. I mean, everyone kind of does their homework on their, by themselves, right? I yeah. Mean, and then we all come together when we when we practice, and we're like, okay, this is what I played, and then you know, uh, I'll, I'll do my best to kind of help everyone understand uh, the communal vision if it's something Kevin and I have already written or we come up with something together. Let's get into talking about the uh, technical aspects of the of what you do and as it, particularly as they relate to the voice. So, Rob, you're sitting here with uh, a Mac laptop, yes. which is where I guess some of the, mu- uh, the magic happens, not, not all of it. Um, most of it. <laughs> some of it. Most of it, all right. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us about some of the effects that you can create using a laptop and synthesizer? Um, well, a lot of the effects that we do in this band involve taking pieces of the vocals and cutting them up or stuttering them uh, to add sort of an added rhythmic effect. Uh, for example, in the song that we heard, Heartbeats, um, the vocals were sort of sliced up, taking uh, a section of the sound wave and repeated. Um, so it's, you'll hear sort of a, my heart's beat. What's that called, that effect? Does it have a name? Um like a beat repeat. It's like a, a beat repeat, yeah. I use a program called uh, Ableton Live, which has a plugin called Beat Repeat. And you can set it up however you want it. You can cut your, your slices by hand, which would be an interesting way to describe it, or you can have it automatically set up. What I prefer to do is do everything by hand completely intentionally instead of letting the random aspects of the computer take over. Another thing we do is add a delay to the vocals, which is taking um, exactly what you're saying and repeating it. It's like it's basically just an echo. Just an echo. Um, what we do in this band is we'll do a short echo, a short delay, which, delay, is, which, called, is, which is called a slapback. Slap back. If, it's if, it's, if it's roughly, roughly 400, 400 to 500, 500 milliseconds, milliseconds behind, behind the, uh, the, uh, the, the initial, initial sound. sound. 
So what's it like for you to perform a live set, given that so much of your sound is dependent on electronics? Well, that's definitely been a battle that we've been fighting um, since we started, you know, especially in the early days uh, when I was still new to a lot of the things that go into making the kind of music that we make. I mean, we're still learning a lot of a lot of how to recreate that live. And um, again, to bring up Ableton, um, uh, we generally play the sequences off Ableton, which means that we have certain sounds um, that we can't recreate live because there's literally about 40 to 50 tracks per song. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of layering that we do. So some of the songs, you just it's without having a, you know, a 20-piece band or something, it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to just recreate. Um, and that's not to say that we're, we're you know, high and mighty and can't play our songs out live. Um, it's just that they, they sound different, um, which actually you'll probably hear tonight. Um, yeah, we're going to hear a little bit of you singing live and an acoustic version of Heartbeats in a little while where we'll really see, we'll put that idea to the test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I, I guess my rule of thumb is if you can also play it straight out, um, you know, bare bones, bass, drums, vocals, guitar, in addition to being able to play the synth stuff, then I think, you know, you have a good song. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a a wonderful rule of thumb, actually. Um, In terms of the vocals, though, when you're singing live, how much of the vocal is done live and how much is pre-recorded? Oh, all the vocals are done live. Yeah, Yeah, I don't like like to do backtracks. I mean, there there can be some exceptions, which I've been thinking about lately, is like, for example, on Heartbeats, you have the stutter vocal, um, again, on the chorus. so doing something like that where you kind of echo your own vocal um, in, a, in a pre-recorded sequence way is, is one way to go about doing it. But they also have pedals that, that you can do that with live. So you can kind of have more of an effect to do that live. Um, and so right now we're somewhere in between the two. And it's you're transitioning? Transitioning yeah, into exactly. most likely using a pedal. So if you're up for it now, Danny and Rob, I'd love to hear an acoustic version of the song that we heard in its fully produced form earlier on in the show. Um, The song's called Heartbeats, and it's from your brand new album, which comes out on March the 1st. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Here we go. My heart's beating alone Heart beats, my heart beats stronger Heart beats, my heart is beating alone My heart beats, my heart beats stronger And S-H, goodbye to A Say goodbye to yesterday No, S-H, goodbye to A Say goodbye, bye-bye What are we doing? Where have we been? Story that's yet to unfold And was that the night of the sixth Time we talked a lot But then we forgot and we forgot I held you close, we waited for the rain To wash away yesterday Heartbeats My heart is beating alone Heartbeats My heart beats stronger Heartbeats 
My heart is beating alone. Heart beats. My heart beats stronger than S H. Goodbye to A. Say goodbye to yesterday. No S H. Goodbye to A. Say goodbye. Bye. 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 Away yesterday's news, twisting, turning, time to let it go. Goodbye, love, love, goodbye, love. Heart beats, my heart is beating alone. Heart beats, my heart beats stronger. Heart beats, my heart is beating alone. Heart beats, my heart beats stronger. S H, goodbye to A. Say goodbye to yesterday now. S H, goodbye to A. Say goodbye, bye, bye, bye. Beautiful. Cool. Thank you both very, very much. This is Voicebox on KALW 91.7 FM San Francisco. On tonight's show, Danny Lannan, lead singer with the San Francisco-based electro-pop group The Frail, is here with me for an exploration of synthesised vocals. We just heard Danny and guitarist Rob Perra performing an acoustic version of Heartbeats, a song from the group's new album, Lasers Over Lovers. The album comes out on March the 1st. It's really remarkable to hear the difference between this version and the fully produced computer-loaded one that we heard at the top of the show. What's the advantage of being able to perform your songs without the electronics? You know, it's really important to be able to do that. Like I said before, it's not only a good test on if your song... I feel like if your song can stand alone with an acoustic guitar, you're you're good to go. And hopefully we can do that. Um, But things like this, I mean, it's not like we can... We we wouldn't have been able to come in and play our, our normal set you know without knowing how to do that or or you know sometimes computers crash and once that happens <laughs> you, you need you need your chops to back you up yeah, yeah that's a very good point rob i mean i mean yeah and then for example i mean we we blew out the speakers at a club's pa pretty recently a couple pretty weeks recently. ago and uh we won't say which one we won't say where <laughs> <laughs> we won't blow out your speakers it wasn't our fault um, uh-huh. but uh what we did is we actually wound up coming back out after we when their speakers and me came and did uh, one of our songs as kind of an encore, um, just with guitar, uh, bass, and drums and vocals. Uh, and how did audiences respond to that? Uh, they lo- they I, loved as it. As far yeah. as I can tell, they loved they it. They loved yeah. it. When you're singing uh, a song without synths and electronics of all kind, you're just singing straight into the mic. Do you have to produce the voice differently, or are you doing the same stuff pretty much? I think. Uh, I mean, I do produce it a little bit differently. I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm very on the fly. I mean, a, a lot of the times when I'm writing vocals, a lot of it is, comes out of improv and just kind of little ideas of, like that. So it's kind of half kind of 
improving and following the instrument and half trying to have the same anchor to the electronic version as, as well. You know, so I'm kind of taking both into consideration and doing something slightly different that would fit the tone of the instrument that I'm singing with. You're listening to Voicebox on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco. tracks by a couple of Danny's biggest vocal music influences. The first track was Teen Angst by M83 and then we heard LCD sound system song You Wanted a Hit. Danny, what's going on from a singing standpoint in these two tracks? What makes them so great? I'll start off with the M83 song. I, in the beginning, the first thing that kind of catches me for that song is, is that synth line. That and I, and I, I I used to listen to it and I'd be on the bar train or the bus or something and it, it kind of made me feel like I was traveling or going somewhere or kind of moving around. And so that's what originally caught me. And then I think the way the, the way the singer is kind of using his voice in the background and the foreground and it's kind of accentuating uh, the movement of that that synth is giving you, um, that's what I really, really, really like about it. I feel like the, the vocals and the music... Um, blend seamlessly as far as um, the dynamics of the song. So you mean the vocal is sort of part of the broader texture rather than yeah. sort of floating above it on its own? Yeah, and, and it's not, you know, instead of the vocals driving the song forward, it's it's more the the kind of the musical, the mov- the movements in the music that are, that are really driving the song, which I think is really interesting. Um, and, you know, going to something completely different is actually doing the opposite, that LCD sound system you wanted to hit. Um, you know, it has a million minute long intro, but once you get to the vocals, the vocals are very driving and um, they're very, the lyrics are very wry and ironic very, too. Yeah, Super yeah. Interesting. I mean, most of that record, I was thinking, the LCD Sound System record, I was like, where's the single? And he's like, here's your single, and he throws it at your face, and he's just like, you know, I don't care what you think. I don't need to write a hit for you. Like, this is, this is. You wanted a hit. Well, this is how we do hits, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like a big middle finger to, to you know, the person waiting for that catchy single, which actually was me when I first heard the record. <laughs> but, uh, and all his listeners, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and 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 yeah. I mean, I. I uh, but uh, anyways, um, his his vocals on that. Um, what I like is he does something that me and my friends call talk singing, where uh, it's not quite singing and and belting out your your. 
I don't know, whatever sort you can do. Sort of talking with a somewhat musical cadence. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. musical cadence, really. And he follows the beat a lot. And he's very, like, he usually comes in just straight on the snare or straight on the kick drum, which is, like, always on the downbeat. And he just really, like, digs into the groove a lot of the of the song with his voice, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So you're also a fan of the German dance duo Digitalism and yes. also Tom York, known to many as the lead singer of the British band Radiohead. We'll listen to tracks by Digitalism and York in a moment. But before that, what is it about these two that appeals to you from a singing perspective? Well... Digitalism was actually them and that band and Hot Ship were the two bands that really got the the frail going and got us really interested and we we actually started wanting to actually just copy them and recreate their music and then we realized every time we tried it sounded completely different <laughs> so we were like oh I guess uh, we you have to do, do your that. own thing yeah damn it <laughs> but uh, yeah um, same kind of things I mean. Uh, the vocal melody is really cool on the song Pogo. Um, we're about to hear. That we're about to hear, yeah. Um, the vocals are really cool, and I just think the whole structure of the song is really cool and really really uh, simple and fun, and, you know, it's it's catchy, but it's not too flashy. It's just kind of all the way through. And then Tom York, I mean, you just can't deny his vocal ability. I mean, he, yeah. he's amazing, and, and uh, I don't know, I just listen to his voice, and, and, and I hear something new that I'm like, oh, I want to try that. Or I wanna, I wanna see if I can do that, and it, he kind of helps push me to to do other things. And he is amazing as well from the point of view of a singer who knows how to use his head voice. Yes, that's that high register of his is absolutely haunting. Yeah, and 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 his his note choice. I mean, he's not hitting you know the the, the big obvious the, notes. the obvious notes or the yeah. happy notes. He's hitting all the stuff in between, which is also something that I that is pretty challenging to do, which I really admire about him. Here's Tom York with The Eraser and Pogo by Digitalism. tuned into Voicebox on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco. We just heard Tom York with The Eraser and Pogo by Digitalism. It's interesting to me that so many of the lead singers and songwriters in these bands often record as soloists. Anthony Gonzalez, James Murphy and Tom York all work on solo projects as well as in band settings like M83 and LCD Sound System and Radiohead. Why do you think this is, Danny? Has it got something to do with the fact that you can more or less be a band on your own with the help of a computer? 
I think that has a lot to do with it, and I think the fact that recording equipment is now a lot cheaper, that people can do uh, major label quality records in their own bedrooms. And so I think um, a lot of a lot of artists have, with the exception of James Murphy, because he's been doing stuff for a really long time, but um, a lot of the newer groups can definitely just produce their stuff at home, and someone like Tom York, I'm sure, has a has a multi-million dollar studio in his house or something, you know, where he can go do stuff like that. But I think I think it's people having other ideas and just kind of wanting to do something that's a little more personal. Mm. What do you think, Rob? I think the the line that divides major label artists and bands that would love to start up and are just sort of getting out the door has been uh, it's the divide has been shrinking. Uh, like Danny said, the price of recording gear has just dropped so much in the last 10 years or five years or even two years that you can spend two grand and have a spectacular recording if you know how to use it, as opposed to 30 years ago or 20 years ago when you had to record on analog tape. And Yeah, and you were, you were getting an advance from a record label for like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to record one record, because exactly. now you're like, oh, I can recreate this orchestra um, yeah. with a synthesizer or I can, you know, track everything on my computer in my bedroom by myself while I'm not working or while, you know, I mean, yeah. it's so easy that like when we're going to go on tour, we could write songs in our van if we want mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. and have like brand new songs to send out to people. And it's everything is a lot more instant with the download culture too and mm-hmm. people just buying singles too. So people just recording at home, putting out their single and people are getting known more so for one song than mm-hmm. the traditional album and it's all done at home yeah the days are definitely gone of the band that has to play a ton of shows and concerts and just to save up to get a recording done nowadays bands will have an album before they'll even play a live show yeah we definitely did oh yeah. right okay yeah, you had we actually had a first. deal before we played a show it was so <laughs> really? weird that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's something that would have been unheard of 30 years ago or yeah, even yeah. 20 years ago, maybe. I don't know. Exactly. But, um, you know, having just sort of spoken about the uh, the joys of, of making music on your own and not really needing anyone else, I mean, you guys obviously collaborate very well together and there are another two members of the band who aren't here with us in the studio tonight. What are the joys of, of playing as a band, as a group? I mean, what do you get out of that? experience i know personally um having other people around will ground me uh, it'll keep me focused and any sort of silently laughing um because <laughs> we'll sit together and i will work on maybe making a synthesizer line or something on my computer and then i'll get sidetracked and i'll just work on that one thing for too long and so having somebody like danny in the picture um is great because he'll sort of focus me he'll keep me and my uh, ADD tendencies sort of down. I'm kind of like the, the, the like, the Nazi. Like I'm like, <laughs> no, we got to do that. No, keep going. Let's do this. Let's get this done. Otherwise, we're never gonna finish it. I'm like yeah. the have the whip. I'm like, well, it's good that someone does in yeah. the band. It's kind and of it's necessary. not. And that's not to say that that they need it. But I just, I just, it's just. I when I when I focus on something, I get so focused that I just want it. I want it done. I just want to get it done. Otherwise, I'm just like thinking about it constantly. And so, so. I really try and, you know, push my bandmates a lot. And, yeah. I, and I'm sure they hate me sometimes for it. And sometimes it turns out good and sometimes it doesn't. But um, when I've done solo sets, I mean, 
I uh, one one time I opened for Coolio at the Cow Palace, mm-hmm. and uh, I I played a so it was just a DJ and it was me singing and I had some go go dancers on the stage or whatever which was kind of cool but <laughs> it's always really awkward I feel like you know there's a lot more interaction that goes on live I mean you can look at someone and feel off feel the music off of them and and uh, if your computer dies you can still play the music and and uh, you know and and just the support that you get from each other and the and the camaraderie that's there. Um, just as friends is it does wonders when when you're you know driving eight hours to Portland and then driving to Seattle and then back to wherever else and it's so tiring but if you have someone else there and you're all in it together it just feels like a lot a lot more right mm-hmm. I guess is the only way. it just feels right as opposed to just going off by yourself well we're sadly approaching the end of the show Danny and Rob I'd like to say a massive thank you to you both for singing by KALW tonight thank you thanks for having us yeah. the Frail's new album Lasers Over Lovers comes out on March the 1st you can find out more about the band at their record label's website www.tricycle-records.com and you can hear the Frail live on February 4th at the Rickshaw Stop in San Francisco Voicebox is produced at the studios of KALW. The series producer is Seth Samuel and the web editor is Victoria Lim. Voicebox is made possible by support from our listeners. To find out how you can become more involved with Voicebox, including how to make a tax-deductible donation to support the project, please visit our website at www.voicebox-media.org. And don't forget that you can listen to the latest edition of Voicebox and any of the other programmes on the station that are produced locally and that are music on demand via KALW's online music player. This fabulous tool is available 24-7 at www.klw.org. You can also keep up with us on Facebook and via Twitter and we love to hear from you. So please write to us with any questions and comments at info at voicebox-media.org. On next week's show, we'll be revisiting our November 4th, 2010 programme all about opera choruses, the brilliant vocalists engaged in the world's top opera houses who don't get much credit for making a production really sing. The San Francisco Opera's chorus director, Ian Robertson, joins me for a discussion about what it takes to make the perfect crowd scene. Tune in next Friday from 10 to 11pm here on KLW. I'll play us out with another song by The Frail. Here's the first track that the group ever recorded, Who Am I, from the Count on This EP, which was released in 2007. Have a songful week. Mm-hmm.